but I, I don't philosophically we're not I don't know where you came up with we're going to go to ball control that's not what we do I mean New England Patriots threw the ball over 60 some percent of the time which is more than we threw it so where does that assumption come from or do you do what everybody else in the media does just create some and throw it on the wall and see what sticks which is what I see happening everywhere and the people who scream the loudest, you know, they kind of get the attention and we pass some rule right, that everybody has to live with that, or some law and the consequences mess up a lot of other things. Do it all the time. We're doing it right now. The NCAA is doing it. We're going to change the way we can have summer camps. We can't have high school coaches working summer camps. I mean, it's the most ridiculous things that I've ever seen. But it is what it is and whatever they do, they do. So we say we don't want third parties dealing with players. Um, so we're not going to let the high school coach bring a guy to camp, but some third party guy can bring him to camp now. It makes no sense at all. I mean, but all the people who have common sense, they won't say anything about it. But the people who scream the loudest will get the thing changed, and it'll mess everything up. It's the way it goes. The way it goes in the world of politics, it's just the way it goes. Same thing with you. We're going to be more conservative now in ball control offense. Where'd that come from? I never said that. Nobody in this building ever said that. So where'd you come up with that? Just, you know, had a dream about it or what? If we'd have caught some passes in the national championship game, we had guys open, we, we wouldn't have had to control the ball. We'd have scored more touchdowns. Hello, and welcome to another episode of It Just Means Four. I am Will Larson, a writer for ForWhomTheCowbellTolls.com. You can follow me on Twitter at WLarson24. I am here with my co-host, Andrew Parrish. Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's a... Uh... Good to be back for the second episode. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Parrish one P A R R I S H. Is how you spell that? Yeah, and we got a lot of opening news and notes to share with you today. First of all, Will Wade. You know, we had uh, spoken last week about the possibilities of LSU hiring that new head coach, and it was just announced this week that Will Wade head coach of VCU is going to be the new head coach of LSU. What do you think about that hire? Uh, it's a pretty good hire. I, I I mean, they're a tournament team. They have been for the last few years. But going back to Anthony Grant, they have a good tradition at VCU. So may, maybe they, he can carry that over uh, to LSU and uh, maybe get them back to where they need to be as far as uh, – a top-level SEC program. It'll take time for him, but I think he can do it. I'm going to make an argument for you, though. What if I told you that the last two head coaches have so far not had as much success that came from VCU? You look at Anthony Grant, he didn't have that much success at Alabama. You look at Shaka Smart, he didn't really have a great season at Texas this year. So do you think this is starting to become a trend that teams that hire coaches from VCU are just not really going to have as much success at the next school as they did at VCU? Or do you think that, you know, it, Will Wade's a different head coach? He could have different success than those two coaches. Well, I, I think there's merit to that argument. But there is a difference between coaching at VCU in a mid-major conference versus coaching in a big-time conference where you have to compete for these top-level recruits to compete on a higher level. So like Anthony Grant at Alabama – uh, he, he made the NCAA tournament, but most of his other seasons were about 500 basketball. And, but he, he didn't ever recruit well, and that was sort of his downfall. So if Will Wade can turn out to recruit well, uh, I think he will have the chance to, uh, to do something special at LSU. Yeah, and also this week uh, 
we heard that Robert Williams from Texas A&M is going to elect to return to the school. What do you think about that? It was shocking whenever I first heard it. It was unbelievable that he, he's, he's going to be a top 10 pick if he goes this year, and then he comes back and to school to play for Texas A&M, uh, who's not – it's, I, even with Robert Williams, I don't see them being in the top half of the SEC. Uh, I just don't think they have that amount of talent. But it, it was just mind-boggling to for him to forfeit that amount of money that he could have earned by being picked in the in the lottery uh, to come back to school and potentially hurt himself or uh, lower his draft stock. I agree 100%. I was really surprised when I saw that too. But – you know, I, good for him. He wants to go back to college to refine his skills a little bit, and you don't really see a lot of that anymore in this day and age, so that's really good. Well, before we get started, I wanted to kind of share with you what we're planning on talking about today. We're going to go through the SEC Women's Basketball Sweet 16. There are two teams that are in it. We're also going to re- rank the toughest atmospheres in SEC basketball. We went one through 14. And also at the end of the show, we decided to have a little fun and rank the top five sporting events that each of us have ever attended. So first, let's go to the Sweet 16 in women's basketball. I believe Mississippi State plays Washington on Friday night. They'll be playing in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Obviously, Washington has the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball, Kelsey Plum. A few weeks ago, she actually scored 57 points against Utah, so this is a very, very great player. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge for Mississippi State to play this team. I think I was looking at women's basketball women's basketball spreads, and yes, there are spreads in women's basketball. I know a lot of you may be surprised about that, as I was. But Washington is a four-point favorite, I believe. Yep, they are. So that game will be on ESPN2 if you want to watch that, 6 o'clock Central Time. So what do you think about Washington against Mississippi State? Do you think Mississippi State will be able to advance to the next round, or do you think Kelsey Plum will be too much? Well, it comes down to uh, to Kelsey Plum, like you said. And if, if Mississippi State can limit her to – a reasonable amount of points, and that that could be thirty, that could be twenty five, and I think Mississippi State would still be fine. It, it's just Washington is not the deepest team ever. They they do rely a lot on uh, Kelsey Plum and Chantel Osahor, who has who had a thirty rebound game this season for Washington. But uh, if Mississippi State can find a way to stop Kelsey Plum. With uh, their cast of guards, uh, Blair Schaefer, uh, Morgan William, Victoria Vivians, uh, and, the, and the whole the whole crew, may and uh, Tierra McCowan uh, can uh, sort of neutralize uh, Chantel. Then perhaps uh, Mississippi State has oh, well, Mississippi State has a good chance. Uh, not even perhaps they they do have a good chance if they they can do that. Now that that's a tough uh, tough task to take on, but. I don't see why they couldn't do it. And obviously, you know, any game's tough when you're in the Sweet 16, so no doubt about that. But I wanted to feed off something that you said. I think the difference in this game is actually the depth that Mississippi State has compared to Washington. If you look at the two tournament games uh, that Mississippi State has played in, they actually have not started their usual starters the last two games. They've elected to start Tierra McCowan, Blair Schaefer, 
Rashonda Johnson instead of usual starters like Victoria Vivians, Dominique Dillingham, and Chinway Akori. And that's actually worked out a lot better for them. They they are averaging over 100 points in NCAA tournament games, and they finally got that spark back that they seemed to lost close to the end of the regular season. So I'm, I'm especially Blair Schaefer out there. She has been very, very hot lately. She's been scoring – I mean, a lot of three pointers. I've been very impressed with her. So I, I do I do agree with you. I, I think Mississippi State is going to end up winning this game and they'll most likely pit, play Baylor in the next round in the Elite Eight in Oklahoma City, which that'll be a tough matchup for them. We'll see how that goes. But the next team we're going to talk about is South Carolina. They're playing in Stockton, California, and they are actually playing a 12 seed. Wow, this is a surprise. We actually have a Cinderella team in women's basketball. We're actually not used to that. So <laughs> that's kind of new. Um, obviously, the big thing with South Carolina is that Elena Coates is out for the tournament. She was out for the SEC tournament, too. But they were still able to win the SEC tournament, so it didn't look like that affected them much there. But it could affect them in the NCAA tournament the further they go. Now, I'm not sure if this, I guess it's Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. I'm not sure if this. Quinnipiac. Okay, Quinnipiac. Okay. There you go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they're going to uh, pose. The, I'm not sure if they're going to hurt South Carolina in the same way that, you know, Oregon State mined the next round. But I do think that this could be a. I do think that this could be a tough matchup with this basketball team playing Quinnapiac, playing their best basketball this season right now, upsetting Miami to get to this point. So I, I think if they're able to get the consistent game from Asia Wilson like they usually get and maybe you know get some hot threes from Alicia Gray, then I, I think this is going to be – I'd mark this as a win for South Carolina pretty easily. I think they'll advance to the lead eight pretty easily. What about you? Uh, don't, don't sleep on Quinnapiac. I mean, they've won the last 12, uh, including, like you said, beating Miami and beating Marquette in the first round. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to win, but you, you never know with the NCAA tournament. They, anything could happen. But I, and, I, I think South Carolina is the favorite here for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean um, – Obviously, there were eight SEC teams that made the tournament. Only two of them made the Sweet 16. And, I mean, I guess these are the top two teams in the SEC, so I guess it's no surprise that these two made it this far. But are you surprised that more SEC teams didn't make it a little bit further? Or is this about what you expected? Well, I, it, it's kind of hard to say, but it felt like there was a lot of parity uh, in the SEC this year besides the top two. So I mean, you could you saw Alabama go out and beat Tennessee twice, and uh, a few other games that were sort of, uh, I mean, Missouri beating South Carolina at home, and uh, uh, games like that. They uh, it's not entirely surprising, but it's a little, I would say. I was a little surprised that Tennessee didn't get past Louisville. They were the most, they were the definition of parity, if you want to look at the SEC. They went on the road and beat South Carolina and Mississippi State. But like you said, they also lost games to like Alabama and Ole Miss this year. I mean, mean, they were a tale of two different teams. Actually, Tennessee defeated Notre Dame too. I mean, 
it, it, I don't really understand what Tennessee was this year. So I was a little surprised about that. I was a little surprised Kentucky didn't get past Ohio State. That was a home game for them. That was a four or five matchup. But I mean, I guess other than that, I wasn't really too surprised. So yeah. Yeah. So do you think um, both of these teams make it to the Final Four, or do you think that only one or none of them make it? I'm going to bet on South Carolina making it just because they're one seed and the the strength of the one seeds this year is pretty pretty quite it's quite good. I'm not going to count out Mississippi State, but it would be a lot harder for them to get there just with the the road they have to go down. Yeah, I understand that, but I think I'm going to go with Mississippi State and South Carolina both going to the Final Four. I think Mississippi State's depth will be something that Baylor or Louisville would not be familiar with if they were to meet that later. All right, so next we decided that we were going to rank the toughest SEC basketball atmospheres in the conference. Now, let me just preface this by saying we're not ranking arenas per se. So, you know, if you see one that's closer to the top, be like, well, my SEC basketball arena is a lot newer, a lot nicer. Well, that's not really what we're ranking. We're ranking home court advantage, basically, is what we were ranking. Um, I think we came up with a pretty good list. Um, Remember, add us on Twitter and tell us how wrong we are. So we're just going to go down the list here. Um, Andrew, uh, you want to lead us off? Who did you have for number 14? Uh, well, it really was a tie for the last two spots. I mean, I had LSU and Missouri at the very bottom. I mean, just watching their games this year, they, and I understand they were bad, but even watching games in the past, they have little fan support, and it's kind of sad, honestly. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I'm no different than you. I had them at 14 and 13, too. I mean, I, I think Missouri, I put Missouri at 13 because I really expect their fan support to actually go up this next year. But, I mean, I don't know if LSU's fan support is going to go up at all, quite frankly. I mean, I mean, if uh, Wade can turn it they, around, maybe, maybe it does. But, I mean, just over the past five seasons, I mean, the only time – they ever showed up was whenever Ben Simmons was in town. Or when Kentucky comes to town. Or when Kentucky basically. comes to town, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that totally. I just feel like if you look at LSU, I think they really prioritize baseball and football, and they don't really feel like they have to have men's basketball. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, and that takes care of 14-13, really. So yep. what do you think about number 12? I had uh, I had the Georgia Bulldogs at number 12. Every time I watch a game at Ste- whenever they were playing at Stegman, Unless, unless it's Kentucky, I mean, it's just kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I had Georgia at 12, too. I mean, I I personally never see fans at Stegman Coliseum, and it doesn't really seem like that they have much of an advantage there either. Obviously, Mark Fox, I mean, they just lost a first-round home NIT game, too. So Right. I mean, I mean they, they, lo- they lost to uh, a struggling Alabama team at at home by 20 yeah. just when it was, it was a dead arena yeah, i mean not only does it look like a dead atmosphere it doesn't really look like that good of an arena either right it's, so, it's kind of poorly built i would say yeah so i'm kind of i kind of surprised them and some other sec teams haven't built a new arena by now but yeah i guess i guess georgia just puts the, all their priorities on football i really don't know but, right it's 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 a great it's great uh it's their ad i I can't think of his name right now uh oh i know who you're talking about that guy (laughs) yeah he's uh yeah i remember him because of the press conference with mark rick that was one of the funniest press conferences i've ever seen (laughs) yeah it's 
it, it just looked like Mark Rick was staring him down the entire time. It was just. I saw so him. Spe- I saw him speak at a conference uh, a couple weeks ago, and he didn't seem like uh, the sharpest tool in the shed. But that's uh, that's good that to hear him on there. That doesn't surprise me too much. All right. So number 11, I had the University of Mississippi. Um, they uh, recently got the pavilion at Ole Miss. Um, actually, I, I was able to catch a game there this year. But last night, well, I mean this week, I guess, as this is recording, they play Georgia Tech in a big men's NIT basketball game. And they, they lost when Georgia Tech pretty much controlled the entire game. So it seems to me that the home court advantage at Ole Miss really didn't make that much of an impact this year. So I had them at number 11. I, I uh, did Pavilion, as well. Yeah, I mean, Pavilion's, Pavilion's an okay arena. I mean, it's nice and everything. It's a lot better than the old arena. It's definitely but, nice for, for sure. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the better arenas to watch on TV, I'd say. But just the atmosphere of everything is, is not good. Yeah, I'd, I'd rank a, a lot of SEC Arenas ahead of them, too. Yeah. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, number 10, um, I had Tennessee. Yep. Uh, uh, well, not much to say there either. Um, they had a big game against Kentucky, I saw. Um, they were able to upset them at home. But I, didn't re- but I was watching them play Mississippi State earlier this year, which was the game right before Kentucky. It was a Saturday game, and there weren't that many fans there. I mean, yeah, I, I watched them play against Alabama on the uh, the last uh, weekend of the regular season, and uh, it just didn't impress me too much. Uh, just with all their fan support, maybe Rick Barnes can get a little bit. Their team can get a little bit better, and maybe people will start showing up. But it seems like they're really focused on football, and that's it. <laughs> well, they might want to focus more on basketball if they're focusing on football. Yeah, they might <laughs> do, honestly. All right. So, who do you have for number nine? I had the Mississippi State Bulldogs at number nine. Okay. And I, I just I've I've seen a few games at Humphrey Coliseum and it I've never been too awfully impressed. Uh, unless they play Kentucky or Ole Miss, of course, but like just the regular games is just it's kinda empty. Okay, for number nine I put Alabama. Uh, I actually attended the game this year at Alabama. Um, I was told it was one of their more crowded games, and I I really wasn't impressed with the atmosphere. It seemed pretty dead when I was there. It seemed like all the fans were just watching the game basically to (laughs) – I think the loudest applause of the day was actually when the football team marched on half court to get recognized for the national championship game. It never really got loud in the arena, and I I just – wasn't particularly too impressed with Alabama. Yeah, I, I, you'll see Alabama later on my list, and I'll make my counterpoint to why I think they're a little bit better than that. But uh, we'll just go on to number eight. Then. Number eight, I have uh, Texas A&M. Number eight. Who do you okay. have? Okay, I have I have uh, Mississippi State. Okay. Um, obviously, obviously the Humphrey Coliseum wasn't exactly the most packed for men's basketball this year. This was women's basketball, then yeah, you know, I'd make my point for number one, honestly. But um, you know, the games that I went to, the, the there wasn't really that many, that much fan support for the majority of the season. There were a couple of games like Texas A&M or Kentucky that had a lot of fan support, and it turned into a really great arena. Um, 
obviously in the past there's been coaches that have come up and said, yeah, Mississippi State, Humphrey Coliseum is the toughest and loudest SEC basketball arena I've ever been to. And uh, I don't think Mississippi State quite um, led up to that high expectation this year. Um, I will say this, it's probably one of the louder arenas I've been to when it's actually packed and everything, but the fact that it's not consistently loud just makes me put it at number eight. Right. And uh, for, a- for A&M, uh, I've only seen a few games there just uh, on TV, and it's just – it's not really stood out to me too much. It's just kind of one of those run-of-the-mill uh, arenas that just never really got too awfully loud or intimidating. Yeah, obviously. All right, uh, number okay. seven. Who you got? Yeah. I had Auburn. Um, obviously – they're probably one of the better fan supports of the uh, Southeastern Conference as far as the fans showing up to pretty much every home game that I saw. But the difference to me was they weren't winning of those games. I saw them earlier this season playing Georgia at home. That was a big game. The tickets were very expensive for that game. I think that they were even more expensive than Auburn football Sugar Bowl tickets, but they lose at home to Georgia. I saw them play at home against Ole Miss, and they lose at home to Ole Miss. I saw them get blown out by Florida at home, and they barely defeated Mississippi State at home. So I'm not too impressed with Auburn in the sense that they don't win the games. Now, they do have a lot of fan support, but I don't think you can really be considered a tough environment if you're not winning the games at home. That's definitely fair. Uh, and we're uh, number seven. I have Alabama. And uh, for the for the games that I've been to this season at Alabama, it's, it's not always the greatest, but – uh, for most of the games, I mean, the attendance is pretty consistent uh, across yeah. the board. I mean, for if it, even when it's not a sellout, they usually have about 80% turnout of the tickets sold. And whenever the team does well and goes on a big run, they get loud. And uh, whenever play like against Kentucky, I was at the Kentucky game, and they – it was loud pretty much the entire game. It was very made to think, makes things hard for Kentucky and uh, allowed us to get back. In, we were down by twenty in the game, and they allowed us to get back into the game. So uh, I, I had them rated a little higher than you, and I, I understand why you had them rated lower. But uh, yeah. there, there was there was definitely a, a reason behind uh, me having them rated so highly. No, no doubt. I mean, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, Who would you have for number six? I had the Arkansas Razorbacks. And uh, the reason for that is Arkansas usually has a good team at home. They, they win a lot at home. And I, I know a lot of people don't think this is intimidating, but I sort of like that they do the, the, the calling of the Hogs. I know some people think it's stupid, but <laughs> I, I think that it's semi, semi-intimidating. Semi. Not, not entirely intimidating, but semi. Okay. Well, I'll totally disagree with you there. But no. All right. Um, number six, I had South Carolina. Um, I probably would have them a little bit higher if I hadn't seen them lose a four-overtime game to Alabama of all teams at home earlier this year. I mean, yeah, I, mean I guess it's a tough environment, but uh, I mean, I saw Mississippi State later this season almost win at South Carolina. Um, yeah, they had a big win over Florida at home, but I mean, it just didn't really seem like a consistent, tough environment to me. Right. And well, let's clarify this right now. So I mean, like there's, there's the top end of the spectrum and there's the bottom end of the spectrum, but then a lot of the teams in the middle are just sort of 
the same. So it sort of made it hard for us to rank these teams uh, as, as far as the differentiations uh, between them. Yeah, for me, I kind of random. I had the first few teams that I knew that were going to be the toughest, and then uh, after that, it was I, I pretty much just put some random teams down, honestly. Well, I, I had a, so, I had a reason for it, but for my madness, but it's it is hard to rate these. But anyway, uh, number five. Let's go to number five. Okay. Who do you um, have? Who do you have? Okay, I, I have uh, South Carolina. Okay. So you think they're a little bit tougher? Right, yeah, it's it, it, the the environment when I watched the four overtime game. Just seemed it seemed pretty good. Uh, they were pretty much involved the entire game, uh, uh, being loud during the times. Now they couldn't lead the team to victory, but I just I had this uh, whenever they play like the uh, uh, what you call it the uh, the inner Sandman stuff yeah. that and they do that in the football games and they also do it at the ba- the basketball games and it, it's it, it's it's uh, pretty lit in there and pretty hype. So it yeah totally all right. So for number five. I had Texas A&M, which, I mean, I, I could totally make the argument to put them even lower than this, honestly. But I guess my biggest reasoning was they seemed to play a lot better at home than they did on the road this year. I mean, if you look at Kentucky, um, they played Kentucky and lost 100-58 to at Rupp Arena. But if you look at when they played Kentucky at home, they, yeah, they kept it a lot closer. They had it within single digits the majority of the game and led – a lot of the first half. So um, they also got some wins against toss-up teams like Alabama at home that they weren't able to get like on the road when they play Mississippi State. They lost games like that on the road and where I think they will have won that game at home. So I feel like that's why I put them at number five, not necessarily because they had the fan support this year, but in the you know last year they won the Southeastern Conference on their home court against Kentucky. So uh, they have had the fan support in recent years, just not necessarily this year. Right. Uh, and for, uh, let's move on to number four then. Uh, I had the Auburn Tigers, and that's simply because of all the games that I've seen there, they have a lot of fan support. They, they all show up, and they, they're loud the entire game. They do a really good job of that, and they really believe in Bruce Pearl as uh, the coach that will lead them to the tournament. And they, they really believe that, so they all come out and – support their team really, really well. And it's a relatively new arena over there with Auburn Arena. So I, I put them at number four. I think they're they're one of the top uh, top uh, environments. Yeah, no doubt. I have the Fighting Scott Stricklands at number four. I have Florida. Um, the Florida Gators, they just renovated their uh, basketball arena this year. I mean, it looks a lot different to me on TV than it did last year. And uh, obviously they have an incredible home record this year. They uh, consistently win at that arena, and they destroyed Florida in a game I saw them play at at that arena this year, whereas they lost a close one to Rupp Arena later this year. <clears throat> so I had to go with Florida for number four. Um, okay. Just seemed to fit pretty well. Yeah. Uh, number three, I had the Vanderbilt Commodores in one of the most unique arenas in college basketball uh, with Memorial Gymnasium with the benches on the end of the court and uh, just the wooden bleachers, just really unique uh, environment. And uh, if they had a lot of fans there, like they did a few years ago with, uh, with uh, old John Jenkins and the Jeff Taylors on their team, uh, they, they, it would really be intimidating to play there. 
Oh, no doubt it is. And for number three, I had the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, Bud Walton Arena is one of the toughest arenas to go to and win. You can ask any SEC basketball team. That's one of the least favorite places that they will travel to. If you look at Kentucky, I think their worst record on the road is against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas consistently plays well at home. In recent years, they've finally been able to win more road games than they used to. This year, they went 6-5 and five on the road. But if you remember in the past, they were only winning the home games the past five years, and they were losing all the road games, which annoyed a lot of Arkansas fans. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, they went 15-3 and three at home this year. Pretty good record. I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the one game I watched, Mississippi State went up there and beat them. I was pretty surprised about that, honestly. But I still think that when it's all said and done, if you look at the fan support that Arkansas usually brings, that Arkansas is definitely top five. When it Absolutely. Comes to uh, and number uh, number two, I had the Florida Gators with their newly renovated arena, as we already mentioned. A lot of fan support there. They come out in droves, and they have a good team over there, so it's easy to it's easy for them to sell out uh, the arena. Yeah, and uh, I, I decided I wanted an upset for number one. So for number two, I put the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, uh, Rupp Arena is obviously the largest arena, obviously sells out every game. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, it's a very intimidating arena, but if you look at Rep Arena, there are more – when it's a more high-profile game, the fans will get more into it than when it's more of a – let's just say they're playing Missouri at home. I mean, if you looked at they, – they played Kansas earlier this year. That was a very loud crowd, very rushes. But when they were playing a team like Texas A&M, where I got to saw them earlier this year, it just didn't really seem to have as much of the flavor as they did. Uh, later on the season. Right. Uh, Kentucky has the best fans. Obviously, they uh, are everywhere. If you're if they're on the road or if they're at the SEC tournament, they're everywhere. So that's not really that. It's just more of I'm impressed with Upper Arena, but I don't think it's the toughest arena in the SEC. Right. And then, uh, obviously, number one, I had Kentucky uh, just because of their, their traveling fan base where they can basically make any arena that you uh, play in turn into Rupp Arena whatever direction. So Bridgestone Arena became Rupp Arena South uh, for their games in the SEC tournament and so on and so forth. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about that. For number one, as Andrew talked about earlier, I have the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now, anyone who has ever been to Memorial Gymnasium knows that Memorial Gymnasium is the most unusual arena in all of college basketball. I'll just go ahead and say that. You, for, At first, it, it doesn't even feel like you're in a basketball arena. There's like the coaches' benches, instead of being on the – side court, if you will, they're underneath the goalpost. Now, I think they said that in college basketball, there's no other team that has their benches underneath the goalposts. So obviously, that's a huge advantage right there. Another thing is, if you look at the shot clock, it's not on top of the goalpost. It's actually like lower to the right, if you actually look. You might not be able to see that on TV, but that's something I noticed. And I noticed when I went up there that Mississippi State had a very tough time looking at the shot clock at times because they thought it was above the goalpost and not necessarily below to the right. And also, there's a lot of an acoustic effect at Memorial Gymnasium. If someone even whistles in there, it will echo throughout the entire arena. So even when they don't pack it out, 
it's still a very tough arena. And when it is packed out, it's by far the toughest in the SEC. So number one is Vanderbilt for me. All right. Well, now we'll get into the uh, the top the, the fun segment of the uh, the show, the top five college sporting events we've ever attended. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, there's a lot of great events that I've had the privilege to going to. I know you can say the same. I think all of mine are actually Mississippi State sporting events, um, for obvious reasons. But um, there's been a lot of you know, good events that I've been to over the years that haven't necessarily been Mississippi State, but they don't really stand out as much as this. Right, and I've got a few uh, other ones, but we'll we'll get to that whenever we get there. All right, so for number five, I had the 2016 Texas A&M football game. Now, this is this might be kind of a little bit random, but let me just explain this. Texas A&M came into Davis Wade Stadium as the number four team in the country. Now, there are a lot of Mississippi State fans that thought that we had no chance against Texas A&M. And you know what? I would agree. I, I, I thought that there was a 0% chance that Texas A&M would lose to Mississippi State. I really did. I looked at Mississippi State. They almost lost to Samford, Samford not Stanford, Samford the previous week. And they had lost to South Alabama already. They had lost to Kentucky, BYU. So it was just a bad season. So when Texas A&M came in with only one loss, we were just expecting kind of a beatdown. But when Mississippi State took an early double-digit lead, we were thinking, oh, wow, maybe there will be something to it. It wasn't the uh, most packed stadium that we had had all season, but it was still a pretty good atmosphere. Um, it, it was a really fun day all around if you were at the game. And that's why, to me, it was number five, just because it was a big upset over a top four ranked team. All right, and my number five, I will preface my list by saying that four of the five games that I have on here are losses by the team that I was rooting for. So just to, just to preface <laughs> that, it's kind of weird, but I, I sort of remember the losses better than I do the victories. So we'll go ahead and get to number five. Number five for me is... Alabama versus Oregon basketball in 2015 uh, played at the uh, the BJCC and it was just a back and forth game the whole way down and uh, Justin Coleman had uh, I think like 20 20 some odd points uh, but in in the end they couldn't score enough and Oregon ended up winning but it was it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to an Alabama basketball game against one of the top teams in the country. And uh, they gave them quite the run, but uh, they ended up uh, not not quite finishing the deal. Yeah, um, obviously. I, I didn't have a basketball one on my list. I just couldn't no, – none of them really came to mind, actually. Um, all the ones that I have are actually wins just because – I don't. I don't really remember the losses as well. I'm kind of the opposite. I remember more the wins than the losses. But number four, I kind of had a tie because I really couldn't choose between the two. I had the 2014 baseball game in which Mississippi State played Ole Miss, which is the, like, yep, it's still the most attended college baseball home game ever for any single team in Division One college baseball, and the 2016. LSU game on the road in which Mississippi State won their first series against LSU since 2006. Now, uh, now obviously, both of those are just regular season wins, and both of them didn't really do much for Mississippi State, which is why I kind of grouped them together. But LSU, that game in particular, kind of stands out to me because I'd never been to Alec Buck Stadium 
It's a really great atmosphere, probably the best atmosphere in an SEC baseball game I've ever been to. And to win that game in front of all those fans just was a very, very special moment to me. So that's why that's up there. And the 2014 Ole Miss game was just a very, if you remember, a very good comeback from behind victory to get the win over Ole Miss and forever record crowd on Super Bulldog weekend. So that's my number four. All right, uh, my number four is another loss. Uh, it is the Alabama-LSU game, football game, from 2011. Uh, the game of the century, as it was uh, originally coined. And it was it was a, it was a defensive struggle. A uh, lot of... A lot of defense in that game, which I really enjoy watching, even though the offense could never get going. But it was, it, it's going back and looking at it now. It was the the grand in the grand scheme of things, the spectacle of that game, how important it was for both teams and for this landscape of college football was just it's absolutely mind boggling. Just to oh, consider, totally. just to consider that those were the best two teams in the entire country, and they played to an overtime game where the score was so – the game was just so bizarre uh, in general that uh, it, it was very memorable. Yeah, totally. Um, that, I remember that game too. I obviously was not that game, but that was certainly a game that I remember watching. And I was a little surprised at the result. I, I thought Alabama would win that game. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good game. Um, for number three, I have another baseball one. I have the 2016 – Saturday finale against Arkansas. Now, in this game, I know a lot of Mississippi State fans remember this game in particular. Mississippi State won the Southeastern Conference regular season in this game. But the more memorable moment was probably in the middle of the game when Ole Miss defeated Texas A&M, which the entire <laughs> the entire fan base of Duty Noble just gave a standing ovation. And all the baseball players especially the Arkansas ones were just trying to figure out what in the world was going on because it was like in the middle of a, <laughs> someone was that bad, but everyone was cheering for Ole Miss because they had knocked off Texas A&M. So that meant that Mississippi state could win the sec outright, which they did when they defeated Arkansas. And it was an absolute celebration for the ages as the team walked around with the sec banner. It was a, very, very memorable game, a very, very memorable celebration since that was Mississippi State's first SEC championship, I think, since 1989. So that, that was very, very memorable. All right, and I will preface this next one by saying that uh, I now live in Maryland, in Annapolis, Maryland, so I sort of cheer for Navy as well. So my my number three is the Navy-Houston uh, football game in 2016. <laughs> where uh, Houston came in, I think, as the number six team in the country. Uh, and it was yeah. in an absolute monsoon. It was raining so hard. Uh, but Navy ended up winning 45-40 to 40 over uh, over Houston. Uh, it was the, one of the biggest wins in Navy history. And uh, it was so big that the, uh, the superintendent of the Navy, of the Naval Academy, uh, canceled classes for two days after the game uh, just because of the big win. So it was it was one of the more memorable things just because of how the weather was. It was absolutely pouring and uh, and how the game was. It was just so it was back and forth the whole time. And watching Navy run that uh, triple option offense is entertaining in itself, just with all of the different options that you can run with it. Oh, yeah. And they, I always love watching the Army-Navy games or even when they play Air Force. Those are just 
some of the funnest games you can watch in all of college football if you ever have a chance to watch those. Absolutely. For number two, um, this was fun for a lot of reasons. Um, this was just a fun game to be at, just to be a part of the fans, just to uh, play in the band. It was just fun all around. The 2016 Egg Bowl, number two. This was absolutely a blast to be at. Now, if you want to go back, Ole Miss was ranked number 12 in the preseason. And they there was a lot of people that were even talking SEC title, national title. There were people, at the very least, they should finish second in the West. Yet, coming into that game, that was the battle for last place in the SEC. Mississippi State, if you remember, coming into the beginning of the season, they had lost to South Alabama. So... It's. It almost seemed like Ole Miss, while they were up in the preseason, they trended down, whereas Mississippi State came back from down to go up as the season progressed. So even when that game, even before that game, there were a lot of people that expected Mississippi State to go to Ole Miss and to lose, which if Ole Miss won, they would have gone to a bowl game. And uh, if Mississippi State won, we didn't think that uh, we would go to a bowl game. But, you know, there was a slight possibility, which obviously turned out to happen. Not only did Mississippi State defeat Ole Miss, Mississippi State hammered Ole Miss. It wasn't even close. I don't care what the score says. Ole Miss didn't even score a second half point. It was 55 to 20. Mississippi State scored 14 points every quarter, except for one where they missed an extra point. So it was actually 13 points that quarter. But I mean, scoring two touchdowns per quarter, and getting able to, you know, play loud Hill State in front of that empty stadium when that was the largest ever crowd to watch the Egg Bowl. And it was the most dominant Mississippi State win in 100 years. That was absolutely a blast to be at. So that's number two. All right, my number two is another loss, surprisingly, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was it's also another Navy game. Uh, it's Army-Navy of basketball. Okay. Which is, is quite the interesting uh, spectacle. If you ever have a chance to go watch Army Navy of anything live, but then uh, Army Navy of basketball is no, it's it's no short of the football traditions. I mean, they uh, just the whole they play they play a doubleheader with the women's and the men's. <clears throat> Excuse me, they play a doubleheader with the women's and the men's. Uh, one in the morning and then one in the afternoon, and uh, it's just a really entertaining spectacle uh, to be at. And uh, what made this game even more special is that Navy was up by 25 points in the second half and lost the lead and ended up losing the game to Army. Army came all the way back, and uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, biggest traditions that uh, they do in uh, all Army Navy sports is uh, the winning team gets to sing the alma mater second. It's a, it's always ta- they always talk about singing second uh, with with those games. So uh, Army and like uh, with Army coming back to win and then getting able to being able to sing second, uh, sing the alma mater second at Navy's home arena. It was absolutely special. It was one of the most amazing moments because everyone in the arena just stops and stands there at attention and they sing the alma mater and it's it's really quite emotional uh, even especially for the losing team uh for them to have to stand there and sing their alma mater first after having just lost a really emotional game to their biggest rival uh, it's it's one of, it's very special uh, that's actually on my bucket list that's that is one of the uh, i think that is the best rivalry in college sports if you really look at it it's really always fun to watch it's really I mean, it, it, every time i see it on cbs when like andrew was saying the team has to sing the 
alma mater first. You can just you can just see the tears in a lot of the players' eyes, and there's nothing like that in any sport. So I, I agree with Andrew 100%. If you ever get a chance to see Army Navy, definitely anything see. it doesn't doesn't matter if it's football, water polo, wrestling, anything. It, it's yeah. really special. All right, so I guess I'll go with number one. Um, obviously, I could have put Alabama Mississippi State in 2014 um, up here, um, but honestly, that wasn't really a memorable game for me, other than the fact that I just hated everything about it. So I'm going to go with 2014 Auburn versus Mississippi State. Um, now, this was a very, very uh, special game for Mississippi State. There was college game day was at Mississippi State for the first time ever. The previous week, there was SEC Nation, which Mississippi State fans had tried to outdraw the Ole Miss college game day. That was the best SEC Nation that you will ever see ever was that one in 2014. But that college game day in 2014, all the cowbells, earpiecing loud, loudest college game day ever. And quite honestly, there's not going to be a funner college game day when you have Lee Corso with a cowbell. Let's, let's just put that out there, okay? So, um, <laughs> number one, also, it wasn't just the fact that this was the number three team in the country playing the number two team in the country, highest-ranked matchup ever at Davis Wade Stadium. But it was loud. That was the loudest game I've ever been to, and it was just an absolute bl- blast. Mississippi State got out to an early 21 to nothing lead and the whole stadium was just exploding at that time. Um, obviously, the winner of that game knew that the next day they were going to be number one in the country. I mean, if you're number two versus number three, you're going to be number one in the country if you win that game. So a lot of fans after the game, after Mississippi State had won, there were just a lot of fans that you could just tell that had never seen anything like it. They were just standing and utter shock even stood after the alma mater had played. I don't think there'll be any other game that was quite like that one just because of the stakes, how special it was, and how how you could just see the emotion in a lot of Mississippi State fans' eyes that you'd never seen before. So that's my number one. All right, and my uh, number one, guess what? Another loss, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it was the national championship game of this past year, Alabama and Clemson. Uh, just a phenomenal game, just back and forth, uh, all the way through throughout the game, when all 60 minutes mattered, and uh, just amazing atmosphere being at the national championship game, uh, getting to see everything that went on with it, uh, all the the big time uh, celebrities and all. And even though we lost, uh, it was it was still quite a special experience to say that I had been at a national championship game and one of the best national championship games uh, in recent memory uh, with, with Clemson winning on that last second touchdown. And the, even the drive before that where Alabama came down and scored a touchdown with two minutes left when it looked like all hope had been lost. It was it was one of the best one of the best days of my life, and even though we lost, which was quite unfortunate, still was amazing. So, do you think that national championship game was better than the USC Texas game of the past? That has been the game that a lot of people have pointed to in the past to saying, "Hey, that's the best national championship game ever." Do you think this game finally surpassed that game? It's obviously number two at the very minimum, I would say. But do you think that game surpassed that one? It's close, I'd say. It's 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 hard. It's really hard to say just because of because uh, it was it, it's it's a different brand of football now these days. But uh, just what I mean, I, I I would go with 
that one, the the Alabama Clemson game, uh, just because of how many amazing plays were being made uh, for Alabama. Bo Scarborough had two touchdowns after he hadn't really done much all season until uh, the Washington game. And then he comes out, scores two touchdowns in the first quarter, and uh, was amazing. And then going out on the other side for Clemson, I mean, just watching Deshaun Watson operate live is just amazing. Just he he's so amazing, and I, I he should be a first round draft pick like a high first round draft pick in my opinion, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, Mike Williams going out and making every single play that he had to, for them to win that game. Amazing catch after amazing catch. Uh, just was, it was awesome. I agree with you 100%. Deshaun Watson should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know why he wasn't. Um, and if you're looking at the current quarterback class, I don't I don't see another quarterback this year that would be better to draft than Deshaun Watson and Clemson. I really don't, personally. I would agree with that as well. Uh, I mean, I just don't see it in Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, just, no. you, have, you have to pick a winner sometimes, and uh, yeah, especially for these poor franchises like Chicago or San Francisco or Cleveland, even yeah. uh, and that need a quarterback desperately, and uh, they they should pick a winner. And Deshaun Watson is that for sure. If you really think about it, we've been really, really fortunate to see the past year of such great championship games. You saw Villanova this past year on a buzzer beater beat North Carolina. Um, obviously, we've had some blown leads like the Chicago Cubs coming back to beat the Indians and the Golden State Warriors blowing the 3-1 lead as well to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, yeah, there's just been a lot of great championship and, games. And the, Falcons of the, and the Falcons of the Super Bowl blowing a 25-point lead. And yeah, I, I don't know how I forgot that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't want to think about that game anymore. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, as you can tell, Andrew is a Atlanta Falcons I, I fan. Am. It's very depressing. but I myself am a Dallas Cowboy fan, so obviously I didn't get the pleasure of enjoying the Super Bowl thanks to Aaron Rodgers totally screwing up our season. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think we got a great future set up, and uh, I-, I think Atlanta does too. So. Yeah, absolutely. They, 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 will, they will be the, the best two teams in the NFC for a while. Yeah, and I think they'll play next year, so that'll be a fun game. To I think they are. I think it's scheduled. So. Oh, are they? I didn't see that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'll be a fun so. game then. Oh, if it's at Atlanta, we might have to go. All right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm down for that. And I'm down for it too. Cool. I've never been to an I've never been to an NFL game, so I'll have to do there that. There you go. Cool. Setting stuff up right on the podcast right now. Hey, you are witnessing the world in motion. That's in this right. Podcast. Absolutely. See, you you gotta if you want the up to date information, you got to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, this is the best podcast in the world. I, I don't care what anyone else says. Um, I just, I just think personally, in my unbiased opinion, that's the best podcast in the world. Wouldn't you yeah. say so, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely, unbiased uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely, yeah, absolutely. So next week, um, we'll probably talk about more basketball. Um, we'll probably look at the Final Four. Um, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start looking at spring football that's starting to start up, and uh, that's basically all I have. Do you have anything else, Andrew? Uh, just uh, give us feedback on Twitter uh, whenever this episode comes out and uh, just let us know what, what you'd like to hear us talk about or uh, uh, give us some suggestions. Give us some suggestions. We're uh, totally open uh, 
And sometimes. Uh, for sure. All right. Well, from signs. Andrew Parrish, I'm Will Larson. It means this all is eyes. It Just Means Four. And, all and we hope you respect. join us again next week. Sometimes you can see it. Sometimes you can taste it. But you can always feel it. Because it's true. In the SEC, it just means four.